0: We sit here and we talk about how we believe in original sin and everybody's born in sin and everybody's fallen short of the glory of God. And and we tell people that they sin in the pulpit and they need to ask for God's forgiveness and repent of their sin and blah, 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 blah. It's great, great truth. But then as soon as you turn around and talk about the government or the media or the Hollywood or big pharma, it's like, no they would they're they're incapable of doing anything to harm me or if they would i mean it it couldn't possibly be very bad it's like we've suddenly all become pelagians with our government that that no i just find that surreal that and i don't know what it is it makes me angry at times absolutely
1: and it's like yeah trust your government it works great for the indians (laughs) it's
0: worth great for name any people that's ever lived.
1: (laughs) You know, I'm a nine to five factory worker guy with a family of three, you know, two kids. And I remember, you know, the the years of of the Trump era. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying Trump, you know, is, is the savior or nothing like that. I'm just saying, you know, at that point in time, I was making less money than what i am now but i was a lot more prosperous my, my dollar went oh, so much
0: further it's also you know the way you started that off i think is interesting too because as soon as you mentioned trump it's like you feel like well i've got to explain i'm not worshiping him isn't that a strange thing that there has come this conspiracy theory out there that that Anybody who speaks good about anything that Donald Trump did means that they're automatically worshipping him aren't in some sort of a cult. How, how bizarro is that? That's so. That's so not normal.
1: What's happening? What's up? Hold out your glass because we're about to fill it up. You know, I always said that I would never bow to any corporate sponsor. But hey, rest assured, this ain't corporate. Kevlar Joe's Coffee Company, been a sponsor of my Show the Dick Bible podcast. They've come on board with the Prometheus Lens. I'm here to tell you guys, if you like good, bold, smooth finished coffee, check these guys out. I'm a personal customer, been been that way for quite some time now. Uh, the breakfast blend, real good for the morning, but then you got, for your hardcore guys that like their coffee with a little bit of legs, they have the line Joe. I'm telling you, ladies, don't drink this, because it's going to put hair on your chest. <laughs> but no, guys, if you want to help sponsor the show, help keep the lights on, go on over to uh, kevlarjoes.com, check out their stuff, and see uh, what blend you like. You've got several to choose from. welcome back to the prometheus lens podcast i am your host justin i'm an independent researcher and podcaster and you may know me from my other works with the dig bible podcast this is a solo project that i'm working on something i like to call the hero's journey so thank you for joining me on this hero's journey as you heard from the preview i got to sit down with author and pastor doug van Dorn. we got to talk about conspiracies so sit back relax and enjoy the journey guys In the distance looms a mystical mountain. At its peak, a great fire burns, concealing the Prometheus Lands, an ancient artifact said to reveal the hidden truth within a deliberately darkened world. Join us as we travel and explore the vast unknown. It's a hero's journey with dragons to slay, damsels to save, and innumerable treasures to hoard.
0: Torches high. The Smithsonian, they caught wind of a giant skeleton. They would send their agents out to get it.
1: But it takes courage to move forward, to move out of the shadows, out of the uh, unreality that we think of as reality.
0: Truth gets marginalized. And sometimes you have to look on the margins for the truth.
1: We are all on the hero's journey. You know, look at it from a different perspective. A different perspective. A different perspective.
0: perspective. All right,
1: welcome back to another episode, guys, of the Prometheus Lens podcast. Uh, Today, we've got a real good guest for you. We have author and researcher and pastor. He authored the Q&A of Unseen Realm by Michael Heiser, Giants, Sons of the Gods, Angel of the Lord and Conspiracy Theory, just to name a few. Today we have with us Doug Van Dorn. Doug, thank you for coming along and talking to us today.
0: Yeah, you're welcome, Justin.
1: Well, uh, one thing, uh, we talked to you on the Dig Bible podcast uh, back in December of last year about the Angel of the Lord, and you just blew mine and Stephen and Ben's mind on that one several times. That was a a really great episode. I enjoyed that thoroughly. But uh, today I want to talk to you about uh, the taboo of conspiracy theory, and uh, especially nowadays, where most people struggle and don't uh, believe the the narrative, and we can't trust the news, and so this I think is a really relevant topic. Uh, so, what inspired you? You know, th- I know this book's been out a few years, but what inspired you to to write this book? And motivation?
0: Well, I had been wanting to write it for several years actually. And I had tried to write it for several years. And every time I went down to the computer, like nothing came out of me. It was so weird. I've, I've never really had that problem. And, and I did with this book. So 2020 March came around and, uh, it was just super strange. And, and, uh, I thought, well, maybe I could try and start writing something since every, everything in the world closed down and, I had the book written within a week uh, and then published within the month.
1: <laughs> yeah. During that time, we had lots of lots of time to get little projects done. Mine was uh, painting and remodeling.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I guess with the, you know, everybody has their own definition of conspiracy or conspiracy theory. And, you know, in your view, define conspiracy and conspiracy theory for us.
0: Well, uh, so you've got two words there, right? Um, we can talk about uh, the conspiracy theory of the phrase conspiracy theory, maybe a little bit later, but you know, a conspiracy is just a plot, uh, that's usually done in secret with two or more people to, uh, do something to somebody else. You can have really small conspiracies. You can have, uh, super incredible, complicated, powerful conspiracies. You know, um, you can have conspiracies that take place in your house with, with, uh, like a mom who really favors one kid over the others. Um, and so they, she conspires against uh, the other kids or something. You can have conspiracies happen in your church. You can ha- you can see them happen in your work. You can see them happen with the kids on the playground when they conspire against each other. Um, picking teams or something. Um, so a conspiracy is just something that it, it's bizarre to me that I think a lot of people don't even think that they happen. Maybe just because the word conspiracy theory is, is, uh, has been thrown out there so much that they don't stop to think that conspiracies are real and they're very, very common things. And so then, uh, you know, a theory would just be somebody's, <clears throat> explanation of some event uh whatever level it is that they think um something is a little bit off and so they think maybe somebody's conspiring against them <clears throat> or against uh you know whatever the object might be so put together there's nothing really strange about either one of those words um and and it really shouldn't have never become something that it has become today to to talk about conspiracy theory I wonder in the last three years if people's um, opinion of that phrase hasn't changed along with their view of the media and everything else. I don't know the answer to that, but I think people are more willing to talk about conspiracy theories than they were just a couple of years ago, which I view as a good thing.
1: Oh, definitely. I think, uh, you know, that's a word that's often used to shut down different ideas and different talking points. And I think to entertain different ideas and stuff is just uh, it's it's very important for critical thinking and for someone to to form their own ideas and, and postulations instead of just being believing what you've been spoon fed on on certain subjects and and we have a tendency as a people to be to be very lazy you know and just believe what we're told and, and not look into things ourselves. But like you I, said, in the past I've, few years, I've seen that change. Have you? I mean, honestly, or in the very least they're seeking, yeah. you know, and in the communities and stuff that I've been in. The, uh, but uh, with, with your book and, and one conspiracy theory that popped in my head and I've heard others uh, like Derek Gilbert mentioned, it was, uh, you know, in the Bible was Psalms two one, you know, it says the, the kings of the earth prepare for battle and the rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed. And uh, you touch on that in your book. About there's plenty of conspiracies in the Bible, and just people don't
0: look at it that way. Yeah, I mean, the word I think the first time that the word is used is um, I think it's with the Joseph story. The brothers uh, conspire against their little brother to first they want to kill him, and then the oldest brother says, No, let's not kill him, let's throw him in this well and sell him into slavery. But that's a conspiracy, you know. They, uh, you had all these, all these guys do this secret thing to this unsuspecting person um, that he had had no idea was coming. Uh, That's a conspiracy, and the very first conspiracy goes back to the Garden of Eden, uh, where the serpent is conspiring against the woman to get her to sin um, against God's command. I don't know how anybody could think of that as not a conspiracy that's that's the definition of a conspiracy you know uh, some of the things we we talk about uh, with the whole giant thing the Nephilim thing the sons of God thing Genesis 6 was a conspiracy of watchers or angels to uh, come down and do something they weren't supposed to do uh, according to the laws of heaven and take our women and and uh, have, have the Nephilim be born from that. It's a conspiracy. So conspiracies are everywhere, and the you know the greatest conspiracies, obviously, what the nations, the individuals, the peoples did to the Messiah when he came uh, after his three and a half years of ministry. The Pharisees had been conspiring against him for years uh, because of the things that he was doing, making them look so bad uh, constantly. um, You know. mocking their religion and, and, uh, th- their fake religiosity and, and all that kind of stuff. So they conspired, uh, at the end of the day, they end up conspiring with one of his own disciples, Judas to betray him. Um, now of course, Jesus knew it was coming. He knew it was coming uh, before he ever started his ministry, but the rest of us would not have known it was coming because it was something that had been done in secret. So you know, they even conspired when, um, when he rose from the dead, there was a conspiracy plot with, with those same um, Jews to lie about what happened to the body um, and to say that they came along and stole the body, which is pretty remarkable because when you think about this one, so the, the truth was, right that that Jesus rose from the dead, the conspiracy was that no, the disciples stole the body. but because the scribes and the Sanhedrin were the power, The conspiracy theory became that he rose from the dead and the truth became that they stole the body. And that is, I think that's really, really telling of how conspiracies end up working their way out in a culture that the people in power uh, who are conspiring end up making the truth become the conspiracy theory. Uh, I mean, that's that's a remarkable thing to just reflect on for a while. Um, when you think oh, yeah, about it,
1: it translates today with, you know, the mainstream news, you know, they control the narrative. So whatever they want to be, you know, quote unquote, truth is the truth. And then everything else is labeled a the conspiracy theory. When you were talking about the Pharisees and stuff, that's the first thought that, that popped into my mind.
0: Yeah. I mean, they controlled the narrative with the people. They were the power, they were the they were the, uh, leadership. So who are you going to believe? You're going to believe those people because why wouldn't you, why would God put somebody in charge of us that was going to lie to us or, you know, whatever.
1: And nothing too was, uh, you know, you talk about in the book how a lot of people want to go to the the paradigm of, you know, conspiracy theories are are dangerous. You know, they threaten the society and, you know, and then they point to the, the hyperbole of people that are, you know, mentally unbalanced and how they just obsess over conspiracy theories and everything, everyone's out to get them and try to make you out to be the, the loony. But I love how you point out, you know, that it's just as dangerous to not consider these things.
0: Yeah, exactly. Especially if, um, if there, if there really are conspiracies that are happening and those conspiracies are meant to hurt people. Um, and those conspiracies are not exposed what does that do to a civilization? I mean, it seems to me that, in fact, there, there are um, passages that are used in, for example, Isaiah, um, where people will say, see, this verse says, don't call anything a conspiracy theory. But actually, it means exactly the opposite of what they're saying, because what was going on was that the prophet came into the court of the king and he was trying to convince the people to do what God said against the conspiracy of the king who was trying to get them to break the law. So the prophet's job was to uncover the conspiracy, and he becomes the conspiracy theorist in the eyes of the, of the king of Israel, usually. Uh, and this happened all the time to the prophets of Israel. Um, so yeah, I mean, when you don't entertain a conspiracy, when you, when you have no ability, or it has become so demonized in the way that you think, to to um entertain conspiracy theory and something is really going on that is horrible and means you harm if you can't if you can't allow yourself to even entertain that idea well we're seeing the outcome of that on a on a massive global scale in the last 3 years unfortunately
1: and one thought that comes to my mind was that quote you know evil evil prevails when good men do nothing
0: yeah, great quote.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I want to bring this up because as I was, you know, thinking about this and taking some notes to talk to you today, uh, there's been a, a viral video just kind of burst out. And people are doing reaction videos. And there's this guy from Virginia that wrote this song. And it's just him with his dogs out in the field underneath <laughs> a tree stand. And that thing is just resonating with so many people across the world right now. And it's kind of relevant to our subject matter. And, and as I've been looking, i just, I cannot help, but just one by one, just, I want to see all these reaction videos because it it's not just one set and one paradigm because you have the mainstream media now saying that, Oh, this is a, a, a right-wing Anthem. You know, and this is, you know, this is this, this and that, trying to put their, you know, labels on it and try to divide us once again. But the one thing that stood out to me was this thing was culture blind. You know, it it was, it was, uh, culture blind. It was color blind. I mean, I was seeing Asians, I was seeing blacks and whites. And I mean, it didn't matter. Everybody was reacting to this video and just a lot of them just brought them to tears, uh, which I'm sure you're familiar with it. What, you know, what was your thoughts and take on that, uh, that video?
0: Yeah, I actually just watched, uh, we didn't talk about this before the show either. I just, I just saw that an hour ago, the reaction video where, what do they have like 30 or 40 different people that are all doing reaction videos to his song. And then somebody, um, put them all together into one place, which is pretty neat. And I mean, it, it actually brought me to tears. And when I first saw the, you know when i first heard that guy's song um i mean i thought it was a good song or whatever but i i wasn't crying about it but just to see these people react and to see you know he he curses a couple times in and, and that really got people because they're like wow this guy this guy means he means what he's saying and you know you think about it in a hip hop culture where it's fine to do that in your music or whatever and 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 you come along to us whiteys and we sanitize everything, <laughs> you know, and these guys are just hearing this visceral, gut-wrenching honesty about what's happened in our in with our economy. Our our money's not worth anything. Um, everybody's lying to us, everybody's, you know, feeding off welfare and they're fat as can be, and we don't care about it. And and yeah, it was I thought it was remarkable to see that. And and, uh, yeah, I mean, I had, I guess I had cursory. I was aware that, that the media didn't like the song. I mean, what's new every time a Trump song goes on uh, number one, they have to somehow blast it or whatever, but it's funny because the more, the harder that they push against this, and this is the power of the law. Uh, you know, when you tell somebody, don't put your hands, your little kid, don't put your hand in the cookie jar. Well, what does that make the kid want to do? That's the power of the law. I mean, that's Paul in Romans seven. As soon as the uh, command said not to covet. That's the very thing I wanted to do was to start coveting. So the more these idiots, um, fight against what's actually happening and, and the will of the people and what they're seeing, the worse it's getting for them.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, past trends, uh, now Dean, that song he just recently wrote the mainstream media and everybody lashed out against him, tried to cancel him and it's, it's blew him up. And then back during the pandemic, you had the thing with, with Morgan Wallen. It's it's having like the exact opposite effect right. of what they're wanting. But one lyric that really stood out to me in that song was uh, where he said, the, and what we're talking about, if you're unfamiliar, guys, it's uh, his name is Oliver Anthony, and it's called Rich Men North of Richmond. But in there he says, Richmond North of Richmond, they all want total control. They want to know what you think. They want to know what you do. They don't think you know, but I know that you do. You know, and I was just like, man, it gave me goosebumps. And I was like, yeah, man, we know. We know big brother and what what he's exactly. up to. And, and and then he threw out the the, the hat tip to the, the Jeffrey Epstein, and that drew oh, me yeah. back. <laughs> and then right. The, yeah, <laughs> the obese milk and welfare. And what he say? I love how he, he said it, too, because I'm a Southern guy, so if you couldn't tell by my voice anyway, but he said, uh, uh my taxes are not paid for your bag of fudge rounds. <laughs> right. I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, but I was, when I heard that and I was listening to the reaction videos and stuff today, and I was like, man, I'm going to bring that up to Doug. Cause that's kind of relevant to our whole conspiracy theory with uh, the controlling of the narrative.
0: Yeah, completely. It's a great connection.
1: Yeah, So I didn't know if you had seen it yet. I was like, I'm going to bring it up and then ask him about it and see what he thinks about it. And uh, but like I, I saw some conspiracies in the Bible, you know, what I mean, because I uh, like Gary Wayne, his book, you know, the Genesis six conspiracies conspiracy theory.
0: Right. Yeah. Right.
1: So, you know, I was familiar with that and different little things. But one that really stood out to me was uh, Absalom trying to overthrow his father's government. I mean, that was a really big conspiracy theory that stood out to me.
0: Yeah. So again, uh, it, and it's so easy for us to say conspiracy theory, that wasn't a theory that was actually a conspiracy, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, and it, and it broke David's heart, uh, because he loved his son so much, but his son tried to kill him, (laughs) take the crown from him and the whole deal and ends up getting, uh, getting his just desserts at the end, at the end of it. Um yeah uh you know to me the 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 place where conspiracies are found the most i probably are in the kings of israel which is interesting again because these are the leaders these are the rulers the authorities the powers of the nation and where power and money and and fame and all this stuff are uh i think there's a little warning there that conspiracies can't be far away you know i was talking with somebody I don't know, yesterday, the day before, about this whole idea of how strange it is that um, evangelicals, in my world, the Reformed world, we supposedly believe it even more because of of total depravity. But we sit here and we talk about how we believe in original sin, and everybody's born in sin, and everybody's fallen short of the glory of God. and, And we tell people that they sin at the pulpit, and they need to ask for God's forgiveness and repent of their sin. And blah 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 it's great great truth but then as soon as you turn around and talk about the government or the media or hollywood or big pharma it's like no they would they're they're incapable of doing anything to harm me or if they would i mean it, it could, couldn't possibly be very bad it's like we suddenly all become pelagians with our government that that no how, I just find that surreal. That I it, and it, I don't know it, what it, makes it is. Me it's angry at just yeah, absolutely. And it's like, yeah, I trust
1: your government. It worked great for the Indians.
0: You know, it's worked great for name any people that's ever lived. <laughs> you know, there was a I, I found when I was writing the book a um, a woman who did a scholarly work on conspiracy theories, and she was talking about how in early revolutionary life of America. Just prior to the war, it was the free people that actually um, were the conspiracy theorists. And what a conspiracy theorist in those days meant was, you are capable of reasoning and taking two different positions and coming to a conclusion about what's true uh, in the realm, especially of politics. You know, if if the founding fathers weren't conspiracy theorists, we never would have had a revolution. And you hear that term today, and you go, well, well, so are you saying that the Revolutionary War was a bad thing? I'm not saying it either way. What I'm saying is that the people were free thinkers. They weren't slaves in their mind. They saw what the King of England was doing to them. They didn't close their eyes to it, and they said that we need to fight against this. Well, was that England's line? Was, was their line that, yeah, we're, we're really evil people, and we're trying to tax you colonists to death, you know. And of course that wasn't their line. That wasn't the official narrative. So yeah, again, I mean it just it, it name a nation with uh rulers in power that this hasn't happened to, and then tell me why it is that I'm not allowed to think that my government might just be doing something bad to me.
1: Which I seen a meme. It was uh it was around July fourth. I, I remember it was just a few years ago, but it said uh you know everybody was saying happy fourth or happy birthday America and this one said that had the like a old school British, you know, colonist with the red coat and all standing there, you know, and it said uh, uh happy birthday, you ungrateful surrectionists or something. <laughs> right, like exactly. That. You know, that's how they seen us. <laughs> exactly. And and what kills me is like when you see the the state that we're in, you know, inflation, all time high. And, and I guess that's one reason that, that Oliver Anthony song really just resonated with me so much is, you know, I'm a nine-to-five factory worker guy with a family of three, you know, two kids. And I remember, you know, the the years of, of the Trump era, you know what I mean? I, and I'm not saying Trump, you know, is, is the savior or nothing like that. I'm just saying, you know, at that point in time, I was making less money than what I am now. But I was a lot more prosperous. My, my dollar went so much further. You know, I had uh, multiple properties. I had money in my pocket to go on vacations, to go out and take my family out to eat. And, you know, if I wanted to go to McDonald's $20 could get us all something to eat. And you're lucky to get yourself something to eat for $20 and 20 bucks. I know it's crazy. It's so crazy to me. Like how much so so many things can change. And so drastically with, with one president in just a few years.
0: It's also, I, you know, the way you started that off, I think is interesting too, because as soon as you mention Trump, it's like, you feel like, well, I've got to explain I'm not worshiping him. Isn't that a strange thing? It that is. There has I mean, come this everywhere. conspiracy theory out there that, that Anybody who speaks good about anything that Donald Trump did means that they're automatically worshiping him, aren't in some sort of a cult. How, how bizarro is that? That's so, that's so not normal.
1: And it is, and it's just one of them things, you know, it's, you, you've seen people just, especially Christians, just attack other Christians for singing the praises of Trump. So you do, it's just kind of like a a preemptive defensive wall you have to build as as protection, you know, but it's just like, what I was getting at though, was just how bad things have gotten so fast. And then you have, you know, the January 6th event, people show up and they feel like they've been disenfranchised. They've had an election taken from them. And then you have uh, DC police on video, whether they were truly police, or just dressed up like police, opening doors and motioning everybody come on in, go this way, go to this door. And all of a sudden, oh, it was an insurrection. They went in there and tried to take over the government. You know, and it's like, if that was the plan, they would have had, you know, legit weapons. And it's just all this false flag narrative, but at the same time, it makes me angry, because. If I'm just being frank, when that when that happened, I was. I was so upset. I felt like, you know, my vote didn't count. The election was just stolen right out from under us. And, you know, I mean, you just felt powerless. And when that happened and they accused him of the insurrection, I'm like, our founding fathers, if they were to look back and see what's happening now, I mean, they would just be rolling over in their graves. These are the guys that totally, you know, threw their government away and went to war over high taxation. Can you imagine what those people would have done if they were alive during 2020? They'd be ashamed of us.
0: It's incredible. I, I, I was, uh, I won't mention who this is. He's, he's a guy that, um, has been kind of a, one of these popular pastor mentors in my life for 25 years. Um, lives, um, breathes in my reformed world. And, and, um, I came across this article that he wrote on January 6th. And I think it's a good example of so many things. And I thought it would be good to read it since you brought this up, at least the beginning of it. And just think about, let your mind, let your mind go to what he's saying and what the implications of this are. Um, in more than one way. He goes, one of the most unsettling images I can recall was from the January 6th, 2021 insurrection. So there's your word. A wooden cross propped up outside the US Capitol surrounded by a mob of people hosting up American flags, not far from a faux hangman's platform and noose apparently intended for the vice president. And what's interesting about that sentence is that, this wooden cross propped up outside the Capitol actually took place at the Michigan Capitol, not at the DC Capitol. <laughs> anyway, and that's been fact-checked, you know, by USA Today or whatever. So the verse that comes to mind, and listen to what he does here from what he said. The verse that comes to mind is Romans 2.24, as, for as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among Gentiles because of you. Peter similarly warned in 2 Peter 2.2 that many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. The January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, which included insurrectionists praying Christian prayers once they infiltrated the Senate chamber, has prompted a renewed conversation about what's called Christian nationalism. And then he goes on to define Christian nationalism and say that that uh, it's it, it's this white um, privilege thing, and but it's okay that African Americans appeal to the Christian narrative for social justice. It's like, like what in the world, you know? So here you have this inability to even entertain the idea that January sixth might not be what you're being told by CNN that it is, an inability to go and look for yourself at all the videotape evidence that has come out in the last two years about that event. Not to mention just what happened dr- live during the event. Were you watching it live?
1: No, I didn't get to watch it live, but I got, to, I mean, I, I caught snippets and stuff because I you know, I was working night shift at the time. But I remember just seeing all the, the videos on social media and stuff afterwards and the cell phone footage.
0: So uh, there there were already rumblings that something was going to happen and um, at a very specific point in time days before the the event happened. So I was watching for this. I watched the whole thing live. And what Trump did something absolutely amazing. He made his speech go an extra hour longer than it was supposed to, to delay the people going over to the Capitol building uh, so that the timing of what took place would be ruined. And that's exactly what happened. They weren't able to get the insurrection that they thought they were going to be able to get because he delayed the timing of the whole thing. Not to mention that during the speech, he's sitting there saying, now we're going to go over there and we're going to march peacefully and we're going to walk and we're going to do what is in our constant, you know, and then afterwards, he says the same thing. It, I mean, how can you get any more of a false flag than what happened on January 6th? And yet you have all these Christian leaders doing this kind of stuff two years later. Justin, it just grieves my heart. I can't even tell you.
1: When you look back to the whole COVID-19 thing, you know, the, the whole pandemic. And you had these same Christian pastors that were using verses in the Bible to obey your government, you know, because God put them there and we're shutting down our churches. You know, this mm-hmm. was a, a time that people were isolated and depression was soaring, drug abuse was soaring. But my wife, you know, she does uh, psychology and stuff for little uh, children that are abused. It went up like sixty percent during this time. Wow. This was a tragic time. And if anybody ever needed to be in church and and needed God, it was during this time. And and they closed the doors and there's so many pastors that just just bent the knee. You know, and then you seen what happened in Canada, you know, that the police were rolling in and arresting these pastors and stuff for, you know, breaking the ordinances and, and having church and stuff. It was just uh, it was a very spiritually
0: dark time. Do, do you remember um, John MacArthur was one of the only big name pastors that actually stood up against it? And do you remember how so many of even his friends treated him for daring to stay open and and say that that um, you know risk people's lives and and all this kind of stuff and it turns out he's completely vindicated. Not a single apology from anybody anywhere.
1: And if you ever did get one, it would be like on the 8th or 10th page of the newspaper. They're so yeah. quick to crucify you or attempt to in front of millions, but then your exoneration is on the back page if yep. you get one at all. It's just sad. But uh, one thing, getting back to your book with the conspiracy theories, The it once again, you blew my mind as I was listening to you talk about this was the whole uh conspiracy of the genealogy oh yeah <laughs> could you get into that cuz okay, me and you, so... you know I mean cuz i remember last time we talked i threw out the whole thing that i thought jesus was melchizedek and then I and mean, you right. started bouncing off each other you know so this kind of falls in line with that so once again i was just like man <laughs> Doug's did it again But if you've not heard that show that I'm referring to here, you need to go look up the Dig Bible Podcast and look up the Doug Van Dorn Angel of the Lord episode and check that out. That was just a mind-blowing conversation, and that's what I was referring to here because we get into Melchizedek, and he gets into really great detail, and I don't want to give you no spoilers if you haven't heard that one yet but I just wanted to throw that out there because he does kind of backtrack and talk about some things here but there's a lot of details in that episode that were left out here and I didn't want to rehash again, so I just want to encourage you if you've not heard that, check that out and also, while I have your attention, if you enjoy the show please, I encourage you to share with your friends and get this out there if you're not already a members only member, I encourage you to do so there's special perks that members get, private chats, early access to episodes, members-only episodes, and documentaries. And if you haven't already, please give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts and help us to grow the show. All right, back to the episode.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just a really, really interesting one. So back, and we have evidence of this from the Dead Sea Scrolls, but my opinion, Hebrews 6 um, when it when it goes into the Melchizedek thing, I think it goes into chapter seven too. It has Hebrews has all this language of like he's without genealogy, without father or mother, without end of days. He's a priest forever, and several more things that Hebrews says. Well, um, we discovered at the Dead Sea Scrolls that there was a whole um, undercurrent belief that Melchizedek was essentially a divine figure; that he was not any kind of an ordinary. Um, King, and so my opinion when I probably when we talked about the angel stuff was that Melchizedek is the angel of the Lord. It's just kind of a title for him, the King of of uh, Salem, um, King of Peace, King of Righteousness. Well, however, you want to, you know, uh, put that. But so because this is this is this little part here is my opinion. All right, because Hebrews. Is using that theology to talk about Christ. And then Christ, um, his priesthood is greater than the priesthood of Aaron because he's in this line of Melchizedek. And think about the title of that book, it's Hebrews. And what does that mean? It means that all these priests were becoming Christians, okay? So the scribes, the Pharisees, these kind of people were becoming Christians. So there was, people don't stop to ask this very much. We probably did talk about this on your Dig Bible. With this too, but it's important for the for the background to the conspiracy. All right, Um, there was a view in the first in the first century that uh, allowed a Jew to convert to a Trinitarian theology, whereas today it's very very difficult because Jews are Unitarian today. In other words, they believe in one God, one person. So to come along and say that there's a Messiah who is also God. Like There's no category for that with Unitarianism, but there is if you have Trinitarianism or Binitarianism, where you can consider that there are more than one person in a Godhead. So one God, but multiple persons. And we know for a fact, in fact, I published a couple of books from Puritans that knew about this three and 400 years ago, um, that the Jews had this theology um, from the Old Testament. And this is what John's gospel is especially is writing to when he talks about in the beginning is the Word. The Word is with God, and the Word became flesh. Like, that's not a Gnostic thing. that's an Old Testament thing. Um, And
1: and just for context, I was going to throw this in there for for the people that wasn't familiar with that episode or hasn't seen it yet. Uh, I believe what you're getting at was the the two Yahwehs.
0: Yeah, two Yahwehs. Two powers in heaven is what the rabbis called it. But, like, there's a verse in... um, Genesis 19, 24, it's the Sodom and Gomorrah story. Um, So the background of that story is that three men come to Abraham. One of them is named Yahweh. Two of them are angels. Uh, Abraham sees them. He starts washing their feet. He holds a huge banquet for them. They eat with him. Um, Yahweh stays there. This is the angel of the Lord, Yahweh, the Lord. And he's talking to Abraham about Sodom and Gomorrah and destroying it. Meanwhile, the other two angels go to Sodom and Gomorrah and rescue Lot out of it. And when Lot gets out of the town, then suddenly the God who is talking to Abraham shows up in Sodom and Gomorrah. And there's this verse that says, the Lord rained down fire and brimstone from the Lord out of heaven. And so the rabbis, this the Jewish rabbis said there's two Yahweh's in this passage, two lords, one in heaven, one on earth. And so the church fathers love this verse because the one in heaven is the father, the one on earth is the son. Anyway, okay, so all these people are converting, all these Jews are converting, and the Jews are losing their uh their grip and control over their religion. Sound familiar for conspiracies, right? Power, um, <laughs> authority, <laughs> rule. So they have to stop it, so what happened was as they were translating you know recopying their text and translating into Greek and stuff on their own basis after the Septuagint, they did some stuff to to what seems are very insignificant passages so for example um thirty two eight has a little textual variant the sons of God. Uh, Um, God gave, the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance according to the number of the sons of God. Well, if you read the Hebrew, because the rabbis changed the original text, this is something Mike Heiser argued a long, long time ago, Um, they changed it to the sons of Israel. So sons of God, sons of Israel, what does that do? Well, sons of God are angelic beings, but sons of Israel are human beings. What does Jesus claim to be when he comes? He claims to be the son of God. That's a divine title. If there are no divine beings called angels, called the sons of God, then guess what? Jesus as the son of God is not a divine title and Messiah is not divine. Okay. So they also did something with the genealogies after the tower of Babel where um, you have, you know, these guys are living to be hundreds and hundreds of years old. So you read, and this will be in most of your English Bibles because the English Bibles are using the Hebrew text in this case, usually. And you'll read that they lived to be 85 and had a kid and then died or whatever. Well, the Septuagint, the Greek translation that took place 200 years before Jesus was around uh, on the earth in human form, um, add, add an extra hundred years to about seven of those um, guys in the genealogy. This is the genealogy I think in um, Genesis uh, 11 after the Tower of Babel. So that's 700 year difference. Now why would that matter? First of all, how in the world do you account for the word the number 100 <laughs> dropping out of seven different verses? That has to be deliberate. But what could possibly be the motivation? Well, here was the motivation. Enter Melchizedek again. So um, Christians are claiming that Melchizedek is a divine figure, but Jews said, no, he's he's Shem, the son of Noah. Well, if you have the extra hundred years, the 700 years, well, Shem dies like 500 years before uh, Abraham's even born. So it's not possible for him to be um, Melchizedek. But if you subtract the 700 years guess what and you'll see this on any almost any timeline you go and look up on google of the patriarchs you will see that shem overlaps abraham and so the the jews will say that look melchizedek is shem the son of noah well guess what that does to melchizedek perfectly human nothing to see here move along Yet and de-supernaturalizing so
1: naturalizing the bible once
0: again de-supernaturalizing the bible in really really cunning sinister uh, ways that nobody in the world would even think twice about. But I found evidence that the church fathers knew full well what was going on, and they called the Jews out on it (laughs) on most of these things they were doing. Uh, And this, you know, in part led, I think, to the increasing split in the earliest church between uh, Jews and, and Christian Gentiles. It's as sad as that is, but I, you know, I think that that, that contributed to it for sure. So there was a conspiracy to tamper with the text because Jesus was getting all these followers to believe that he is God in human flesh that are Jews and the Jews are losing their religion. So you have the motivation, you have the um, evidence that they did it. Uh, It's a conspiracy. And so I write a whole chapter of that in the book.
1: Yeah, they had to had to cancel Jesus. He was one of the original cancellations. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there you go. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, that, that was really good, man. I, I really uh, just uh, really enjoyed that that paradigm slap in the head that I got from from listening to that one. And it just blows my mind too because you, you go back to the the Genesis six. You know, you have the same narrative and the same goals going on there. They tried to de supernaturalize the Bible and make the sons of God, the B'nai Ha Elohim, humans. Right. And uh, or with our other podcast, you know, what I do with my friends, we call it the Dick Bible Podcast. We uh, coined a phrase and, and put them on T-shirts. It says, uh, "Genesis six, Sethite view, kissing cousins don't make thirty footers."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw that. <laughs> I yeah. loved it.
1: Yeah, we went to uh, the Go There for conference, and uh, Derek and Sharon and LA Marzullo right. was there, and a bunch of the guys that we had talked to. So we just printed shirts for everybody, just you know, doing kind of random ones unless they asked us for you know a specific one. But Vicky Joy Anderson and uh, Kenny C. They were both like, "We want the Kissing cousin shirt." So I got him that one, and I just give uh, uh, Noah was a conspiracy theorist, and then it started to rain to LA,
0: Right.
1: and I was, you know, we was all, because I had a vendor table at that event, so we was all just kind of huddled up, and I was giving everybody their stuff, and everybody was looking at it and laughing. And LA looked over at uh, Vicky's and he laughed. He said, "Oh man," he said, "these shirts are awesome." He said, "I want to put these in my my store," and I said, "Yeah, man, that'd be cool." And I said, "Well, man, if I know you to." Like that one, I'd have got you that one instead of the Noah one. I said, I didn't know if that was too extreme for you. He said, No, that's right up my alley.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, I guess going back to uh, like government conspiracies, and we talked about you know the you know how the Pharisees back in those days you know were the were the power group, and they they controlled the narrative, and anybody that you know, strayed from their narrative, was canceled and silenced so, you know, in Jesus' case, you know, crucified. Uh, today, our mainstream news and media, a lot of people don't realize it, you know, was, you know, many years ago, you had, you know, 40, 50, 60, all independent right. news organizations. And now you have basically one octopus with with four or five limbs, Wrapping around all of
0: them. Yep. That's very deliberate. um It started, <clears throat> especially in mass in the late 90s under Clinton. I think he passed some sort of a law that allowed them to do this. But, you know, I forget what the companies are. I think Viacom might be one of them. I think Disney might be one of them. But they're umbrella companies that now basically own almost everything. Uh, and it's like, like you said, three or four companies. And, you know, when you get a room, if you had a room of 60 people in it and you tried to um, control the flow of information, you could do it um, with probably really, really big, important events. If you could convince everybody that it was important for national security or something like that. But it's a lot easier if you only have three people in that room, (laughs) and especially if you're all billionaires and have the same kind of an agenda. And people don't realize this. And there's a very powerful YouTube video that somebody put together. And I I think I've seen more than one of these, but the one that's really great is um, it has, you know, it starts off with just one local, um, you know, like your channel nine local station or whatever, ABC station. And they say something like um, they start introducing this whole idea of conspiracy theories and how conspiracy theories are dangerous to a civilization, but then the the video multiplies to hundreds and hundreds of local stations, all saying word for word across the country the exact same thing about how dangerous conspiracy theories are, and it's like the it's most a, the incredible echo thing chamber, I've ever seen. Biggest it's echo great. chamber ever. It, it, but it's, but I mean, it's about conspiracy theories. I mean, you couldn't get any more perfect of an analogy of. How conspiracy theories actually work than what that guy did who made that?
1: <laughs> and where that all stems from? who is uh, you know the CIA's operation that's been declassified now, Mockingbird? Right. Uh, go into that for for those that are that are not familiar with that?
0: Well, Mockingbird was I forget what what years that it started, but it was a CIA operation um, that took place where they um where they co-opted brought in um bribed whatever you want to say uh, you know and these are just the official numbers uh, like 400 plus media people where they told them what they were going to tell the people about you know various things in going on in the world especially in the 60s with JFK and Vietnam war and all these kinds of things. And, uh, but there's also another aspect to mockingbird, which is that they also did the same thing in the big churches. So they actually, they actually came into the churches and infiltrated the pastors with their own people so that the churches would be towing the same line as the media. Uh, And I have access to one of the documents that they wrote that says that they did this. You know, then they say that they stopped Mockingbird, but yeah, they might have stopped Mockingbird, but they started something else that is um, 10,000 times the size of what that ever was.
1: And then too, when you look at all the CIA guys now that are retiring, you know, Brenner and all these guys, they're all, you know, working. As uh what do you call it? What's the word for it? Like advisors for all these different news media outlets. So they're they're not they're not covertly doing it, they're openly doing it
0: now. Right. You bring ex CIA guys, military guys, um women whose husbands work for the CIA, whatever you want, and then you just hire them as your talking heads for your news station or as color commentators or expert opinions or whatever. Like, there's no such thing as conflict of interest going on there at all, right?
1: And when you just actually start, you know, dipping your feet into the pool and start looking at some of this stuff, there's so many rabbit holes that you can go down, which I just want to kind of go over a, like an umbrella blanket view, 30,000 foot view here, but I know I've talked to you in private. I, I want to. Talk to you in the future, like on more specific things and take deep dives on. But it's like all the different, you know, false flag stuff. It's like, you know, you talked about Pearl Harbor in in your book and how we knew weeks ahead of time that we had cracked the Japanese code and knew that they were going to attack and we just allowed it as an excuse to get into the war because the American people was dead set against going to war.
0: Exactly. So there's more than one way to, to do a false flag. Probably people don't know, a lot of people don't know the history of the term false flag. It actually comes from the world of pirating where the pirates would um, put up a, a false flag on their ship and then they would lure uh, the unsuspecting other ship towards them and then at the you know right at the perfect time they would um surprise we're actually pirates and we're here to plunder you plunder all your goods and kill you so that's where the term originates and it was used being used back in the 1600s the false false flag idea so that's carried over into today as a way of explaining um operations that are being done by governments um covertly, either against supposedly other governments for good reasons, you know, reasons of national security. But the sad fact of the matter is that probably more times than not, these false flags are being perpetrated against their own citizens for uh, ends usually of increasing their own power. Um, I don't talk about 9-11 in the book, but it's very, it's not It's not coincidental that the Patriot Act was passed, what, a month or two right after um, September 11th happened, and that this most gigantic, largest power grab in the history of the government um, just so happened to be ready uh, on the desk of the president before September 11th ever happened. And You're then imagine solution you, ready
1: before you create the,
0: it's problem. the solution, right? Yeah. I mean, you have your Hegelian dialectic right there on the, on the table. Here's your, here's your thesis. Here's your antithesis. And Oh, here's our solution. Here's your, here's your solution right here. It's a Patriot act. And yeah, you know, I just, I grieve every time I walk through an airport, every time I have to go to a sporting event and I have to go through the security. I don't just grieve. I get really ticked off, honestly. But I grieve for the kids because now there's twenty year old kids that have never known anything other than that. Um, and it's a police state that was created because of a false flag perpetrated by our own government on our own people. It's disgusting,
1: and the thing is, too, is even if you you know want to hold to our government didn't do that in the very least, you cannot deny once again, like Pearl Harbor, that they had warnings and they knew about this in advance and did nothing in the very least.
0: I mean, people can deny whatever they want, right? (laughs) That's one of the crazy things about it. But um, you can't rationally deny it. And I don't think you can rationally deny what happened in September 11th. That's actually how I opened the book, was just my own personal story of how I... I mean, I I bought Bush's um, explanation of what happened, hook, line, and sinker. And I, I believed it for many years. And one day I was watching a local PBS station. This is back when PBS actually had a good thing every once in a while. And they had this three hour documentary on how a nine 11 was an inside job. I couldn't believe what I was watching, but I thought this is absolutely absurd. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. The power of having somebody that you trust, um, in a position of authority and power over you, um, and then lie to you. That's, it's incredibly hard for any human mind to overcome that cognitive dissonance because we implicitly want to trust our leaders and we want to believe they had our, have our best in mind for us. And, um, this is why it takes, you know, um, really powerful psyops in order to get people out of their stupor, uh, to actually see what's going on, they have to actually feel feel the uh, implications of what the people are doing to them personally, which is what, you know, go back to the song we were talking about earlier, right? Why is that song resonating with so many different people from all over the country, cultures, races? It doesn't matter who you are. It's because they're feeling the pain it. personally, right? If they didn't feel it, then they wouldn't care. And they would just write off, they would listen to the, um, to the psyop that the media has about this guy's song. And they would say he's a right wing nut job, but they feel it because they feel it. They're willing to entertain what he's saying. And in their case, they're like, yeah, this is everything I've ever believed, but he's putting it into words for me.
1: And then you get into, uh, like I'm not sure if you're familiar, but uh, Bill Cooper, you know, William Cooper. I found some of his stuff on the internet and then I stumbled across his book, you know, but behold a, a pale horse and uh, got to reading that and his experiences and stuff with uh, the government. And, but one thing that, that I found just, you know, particularly wild was, you know everybody said he, you know he was a conspiracy theorist crazy guy and you know ten full hat wearing dude and but he said in the beginning of the book he's like for this information that i'm releasing i will be killed for this i will lose my mm-hmm. life but i don't care and he talked about you know just all kinds of stuff that was just mind-blowing in there you know and some people you know say uh you know what's that old saying uh uh a dead clock is right twice a day. You know, right. so when, some people point to stuff that he said that's come true. They, they, you know, they point out all kinds of other stuff that hasn't yet, but this, there's one story that really stood out to me because well, and ultimately in the end he was murdered on his front doorstep by a policeman on his own doorstep. Mm-hmm. And so they, in the very least they made him out to be a, a you know, a prophet or fortune teller, you know, just by their actions alone. But, you know, with the UFO thing going on now, you know, people that talked about Roswell and that being a UFO crash, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist, you know, tenfold, you're a crazy person. It was the government wouldn't lie to us. It's a weather balloon. And then now it's all over the news. You know, we're, yeah, we're recovering spacecraft. We're, we're reverse engineering this technology. And a lot of people's getting upset, you know, saying that we're not paying close enough attention to this. or We're not making a big enough deal about this. And in my opinion is it's because most of us already knew this all along. You know, what's your <laughs> thoughts like on the, the whole UFO phenomenon stuff going on right now? Man, I have
0: a lot of thoughts about it. Um, I, so uh, the UFO thing, first of all, I mean, I believe that the UFO phenomenon is, is a real phenomenon. And I believe that it's extraterrestrial in the sense that these creatures don't belong on the earth. And I have a biblical way of thinking about it because I believe in angels and demons. So that's the short of it. But I find the whole thing really interesting for a couple of different reasons because um, it's a it's kind of emblematic of what I think a culture that is steeped now in real conspiracies that people are finally starting to recognize are true what it can end up doing to your to the con to the public mind it can fracture it and so you end up having now something that never would have happened even a couple of years ago, where you've got two very strong competing ideas, but both of them are now conspiratorial. So one of them is, well, the government's all lying and this is a psychological operation and they're doing this uh, for evil purposes, um, for whatever their, their reasons are, and there's no such thing as aliens. And then you have the exact opposite opinion, but it's also a psychological operation that's being done by who knows some, some mysterious group of people that they're finally going to, you know, it's just, it's really, it's really kind of concerning in some ways. And I think one of the things we need to help people do is, is you cannot knee jerk into the world of conspiracy theories when everything around you comes crumbling down in your culture because of conspiracies. In other words, just because you grew up your entire life not believing in conspiracy theories, and now all of a sudden you're starting to see that, yeah, there's there's conspiracies everywhere. You yeah, can't just all of a sudden say that every single thing on the planet is a conspiracy theory. And that includes especially the, the realm of religion. I mean, this is kind of probably the most important thing I wanted to get across as just we've been thinking, talking together here that, that you have to have a bottom line um, of somebody who's going to tell you the truth. And for me, that bottom line is God and it's his word. And I say this knowing that there's an entire group of people that are out there calling themselves Christians that are buying this lie that the that the church has hidden 80 different books from us and that we're all in the Bible at one time and we need to get back to that. I mean, it's a it's pure Gnostic bull crap is what it is. And it's historical revisionism and people are buying it. And I think that one of the reasons why is because they know there's conspiracy theories everywhere. And now they're not able to, to put the breaker on what's a conspiracy theory and what's not. And we have to be able to maintain our sanity and our reason and our logic and our, and our trust, especially our trust in God. Um, that he, he uh, has given us every single thing that we need for faith and salvation and forgiveness of our sins. And he hasn't made it, he hasn't kept it hidden from us for 1800 years. That's not the way God operates. And we need to, as much as the institution of the church is full of sinful people who do bad things, and it's been infiltrated. Even I even said that earlier. We still have to trust that this is God's way of um, uh, saving and sanctifying His people, and that we all need it. And that we so you have to have some kind of um, you have to have some kind of thing in this world that you can trust. And if you can't trust God and what He's told you about His Son, what in the world can you trust?
1: Yeah, and it comes down to Christ, you know, uh, we talked to uh, Timothy Alvarino on the Dick Bible podcast a while back, and I loved uh, this one thing he was saying. He was talking about uh, the Hebrew Roots Movement. Mm-hmm. And he said... That's
0: another big one.
1: Yep. Yeah, we were talking about, you know, uh, how that's just tricking so many people and enslaving basically God's people and putting them back in the chains. And he said... And the problem is, he said, and believe me, he said, I love the the fringe because he don't like the word supernatural. He said, you know, all these fringe yeah, right. topics. He said, Genesis 6, you know, he said, Deuteronomy 32, uh, aliens and, and angels, and demons. And he said, all these fascinating topics, giants, he said, and he said, I'll talk about them ad nauseum. He said, but the problem is, because we because the initial question was, uh, my buddy Stephen asked him, how important do you think it is for people to dig into the Bible? And he says, it's he said it's important, but only important in so much that you know the story of Christ. He said, you gotta have a firm foundation. He said, be able to defend your faith, be able to defend the historicity of Christ and and why you believe what you believe. He said, and stay in the New Testament. He said, and once you have that foundation, then you can go digging into the Old Testament and then looking at the giants and uh, the fallen angels and all these other fringe topics that everybody's floating to. He said, and this Hebrew roots movement movement is attacking those people that don't have the firm foundation and they're built on the sand. He said they're new Christians and they're diving straight into this weird stuff. He said, so then when this false information and this trickery from Hebrew roots comes in, he said, they believe it because they don't have that foundation. And he ended it, you know, with this great uh, little closing quote. You know, he said, so take away Nephilim from me. Take away uh, fallen angels, giants. He said, t- he said, take it all off the table. He said, and if I'm only left with the, with the story of Christ, I'm perfectly content.
0: Absolutely. Uh, amen. Uh, it's Christ alone. That was one of the main calls of the reformation. Um, and that, you know, they had a different context for it. Um, Catholic church over, over throwing things that he would say or whatever tradition no, it's Christ alone, but in this case, it's just equally as applicable um i and I am a hundred percent in agreement I throw out any giant conspiracy stuff I've ever written, but keep the angel of the Lord and keep the christ keep the Christ stuff that I've written because if you don't have him, then you don't have salvation, you are dead in your sins, and you're going to hell, or as Paul said, God's a liar, <laughs> in which case um you know, you're floating around with no hope in this world.
1: Yeah, amen. Well, Doug, I ain't going to keep you too much longer, man. I appreciate your time, and we covered a lot of ground. But uh, let everybody know uh, about your new project that you've uh, told some of us about on Facebook and uh, where they can find your work and website and give everybody a plug where they can find your stuff.
0: Well, I've been preaching through the book of Luke in our church. Uh, Anybody can go listen to those sermons, any sermons we've ever done at our church website, RBCNC. Uh, So the initials of Reformed Baptist Church of Northern Colorado, RBCNC.com. Those are all there available for free. You can check out what kind of a church we're like and just see um, since we've been talking about church. Uh, But I bring that up because um, Dr. Judd Burton and I are working on a book on um, this serpent mountain in Israel. And I'm kind of using that as a way to tell the um, sons of God, part of the story that, that uh, I kind of left on the table with the giant book. I, I focused on the giants in that book. This one's going to focus more on the devil and, and who he is and, and, uh, but using this crazy feature that's in the middle of the Golan Heights in Israel to do it. So it's kind of fun. And, And, but that's, that's still a ways out before we get that finished. Um, but you know, conspiracy theory book, giant book, Galatians book, normal things like baptism or the creeds of the church, or, um, what else have I written on the five solas of the reformation? So I got, I got the fringe, I got the foundation and trying to add more to both those sides all the time. And those are all can be found You can go to my website, douglasvandorn.com or you can just go to Amazon if you want to, if you're interested in any, any of those books.
1: And for those that are interested you know, in astronomy and revelations and, and things like that, oh, yeah. Doug does an amazing job. When you go to his uh, church's website, uh, I definitely recommend you check out his series on revelation and how he, I've never heard anybody just break it down like he does. And he goes into the, you know, the significance of you know the astronomy of the Bible and, even you know you know I'll, I'll give you some teasers here how the seven churches of revelation lined up to you know the the seven sisters and all these constellations and stuff it's just it's pretty cool i love how you just deep dive and and, and the the routes that you go i just i love you teaching style doug i really appreciate you
0: thanks man that's nice of you
1: yeah well guys uh thank you for uh, signing in checking us out and don't be afraid to put on your tin tinfoil hat every once in a while it's healthy <laughs> man it's always good to sit down with Doug always some great conversations if you guys haven't checked out his book yet on conspiracy you need to check it out it's a really great read and as you heard us talk I want to have him back several times And uh, all my conspiracy talks I want to pick Doug's brain on it And see what he has to say I think we'll have some very interesting conversations I look forward to those And I hope you do too If you don't follow us on social media We're on Instagram We're on TikTok We're on Facebook We are on YouTube Just find us on all those platforms And check us out Matter of fact this episode will be up on YouTube So you guys can see the video on that one if you are not already subscribed to the members only group, I encourage you to check that out. Also give us a rating on Spotify, Apple podcasts and anywhere podcasts can be found and help us to grow the show. But until next time, torches high.